Welcome to The Reclaimed Leader, a podcast by two pastors trying to lead their churches through revitalization and change. Their mission, to share their journey with you so it might help you in yours. And now, here, please welcome our hosts, Jason Tucker and Jesse Skiffington. Hey, everyone, welcome to episode 46 of The Reclaimed Leader, helping you lead change without losing your roots. I am Jason Tucker, here with Jesse Skiffington. How are you doing, Jesse? I'm doing well, Jason, and glad we can be together. We're, we're continuing a conversation that we started last time uh, on leadership development, and really this, uh, these two conversations are kind of bringing us back to the purpose for why we started this podcast in the beginning, because we wanted to be growing leaders who continue to invest in our own leadership development but also uh, learn how to bring other people along and, and have a bigger conversation. And so I'm glad that we're tackling these couple of topics that, you know, the, over the last couple of uh, podcasts. And we're going to get kind of practical today and offer some uh, suggestions on, okay, if last podcast, last session was sort of the why of leadership development, this is sort of the how and, and kind of getting really uh, some nuts and bolts on the page about how do you actually bring people along in their sense of call and as they grow as leaders, if you're running a staff team, what do you do to kind of help them stay sharp and continue to grow? So I love That's this great. stuff. So, this yeah. is what we get fired up about, you know? And I'm so glad that Jesse's figured everything out and he's <laughs> going to let us know. And I'm going to take some right. notes along with all of you. It's going to be great. So but here's the thing, right? Because and I was just talking to, we were hiring some preschool staff downstairs. We're getting ready in real time. It's almost fall. So we're kind of gearing up for that. And uh, it's just always fun to have conversations and people are like, you know, asking things or we're talking leadership stuff. And, um, none of this stuff is like original to you or me. We're just learning from really great folks out there and then trying to pass it along. Right. So yeah, uh, that's, I guarantee know, none like, of it's original to me. I, I, yeah, I, promise, right? yeah, I think there, like I might've had one idea that was my own a long time ago. And then I realized that it was not a very good idea compared to all the other ones. So we just let it go, right. Anyway. But that's the thing, uh, you know, again, we've talked about this before in the podcast. If, if you're new to us, listening to us uh, for the first time, you just started tuning in. We've talked about the challenge of pastors getting out in churches and you know, we're in a position where we haven't really been taught how to do a lot of things regarding leadership. Everything, at least my seminary experience was about uh, thinking theologically through everything, which certainly has been helpful and useful, but it it did not teach me in any way at all about practical leadership skills, practical leadership uh, templates, suggestions. I, I mean, nothing. So yeah. it's all been kind of, all right, who's figured this out and how can they help me right now? Yeah, because what can we learn from them? Yeah. What can we learn? And I think too, we call it leading change without losing your roots because kind of the intended audience is folks like you and me, Jason, that we're we're in established churches that have been around for a long time. You guys have been around. When when was Tower Hill established? Well, uh, in the 1800s. Okay. So so you've been around. Marine View started as a, a, a Sunday school in 1922. You know, so like these, it's been a long time. And it's, I think established churches are uh, need leadership today. And I think in the denominational world, um, our seminary experiences tend to focus, like you said, on the on the pastoral and on the theological, which is appropriate and great. But we missed out on that organizational leadership stuff that I think 
if I'm honest, some of the folks that I've learned from the most are either in the non-denominational world or the corporate world in how to, how to run an organization, how to lead effectively for the sake of the mission that God is calling us to. So yeah, that's what we're trying to do. And we don't have all the answers, but we've gathered some resources that are helpful. And, uh, it's, and I think most importantly, Jason, and hopefully you listening in feel part of the conversation. We've continued to have a conversation together. We're not trying to do this leadership thing alone. And I think that, that helps demystify some of the experience of it when it gets frustrating or hard or we're not sure what to do. So absolutely. Um, yeah. So let's jump yeah. in. We, we started uh, last week, we were talking about leadership development and uh, we had landed on sort of two parts of leadership development that we're going to camp out on today, both nurture and training as That's right. two very important and necessary parts. And I think we may have gotten those words from Dan Ryland when he was yeah. speaking nurture and training. That's right. And, yeah. And I think they're perfect. So like, as you put it, Jesse, there's the, the pastor side of leadership, and then there's the leader side of leadership. And uh, one is very much more kind of practical training. And the other one is pretty much, you know, encouraging, caring. So let's yeah. start with nurture. You know, yeah. in what ways do we as leaders develop other leaders through nurturing them? Sure. That's, that's a really good question. And, and that nurture piece, if you're thinking of it as sort of the pastoral aspect of leadership development, that's kind of the approach. And so I would say this, a couple things just right out of the gate, um, that when you invest time with someone, you're demonstrating that you care, right? That's maybe the first thing right out of the gate. In the nurture side, you got to spend time over coffee or lunch or whatever, um, do it consistently, maybe once a month or however often it makes sense. But that time investment demonstrates care, which allows you then to speak into somebody's life. And then I would say this too, um, the immediate temptation for me when it comes to leadership development is to impart all the knowledge that I've ever gained in one <laughs> conversation, right? Yeah. Just unload on somebody and their, their eyes get really big and they're like, uh, you know, <laughs> so I think one way to, to think of nurture is invest time and ask questions rather than seeking necessarily to impart tons of content and wisdom right out of the gate. So just as a way of, of, uh, creating space for good conversation to happen and and to actually hear where they are, what God's doing in their life and you know what their sense of call is. Asking great questions can help you help someone else explore. And I think maybe this is a younger leader temptation, but my temptation is always to sort of just share what I've learned or what I know or something. And Absolutely. And, and it's sort of like um, being listened to is the part that's showing that you care about them. And so if all you're doing is talking at uh, perspective leaders, right? It's not really developing anything other than they're probably getting annoyed that the actual <laughs> thing that they want to talk with you about isn't getting addressed. And so, I, I think it what that does it creates a little freedom for you to okay, let's not worry about uh, imparting some kind of magic nugget of wisdom right now. Let's just worry about listening to them and truly loving them where they are. And mm-hmm. uh, this isn't, of course, just for paid staff, but volunteer staff as well. Yeah, you know, absolutely. do you have a rhythm? where you get together with us, uh, it's probably easier to quantify with staff, paid staff, yeah. but do you have a rhythm where you just try and check in and do some of those nurturing conversations? Absolutely. Yeah. I, um, yeah, you're absolutely right with staff. It's a lot easier, right? So I kind of see my role and I think we've talked about this other times, but my job is to lead the staff, lead the session, which is our elder or our sort of volunteer elder leaderboard uh, um, that helps set direction and vision for the church and then lead the congregation. So my staff leadership really um, 
involves a couple of staff meetings. We do training and those kinds of things there. We do the nuts and bolts of, of life of the church. But then I do 15-minute check-ins weekly with each of my staff. And those conversations sometimes are practical around what we're trying to accomplish or what they're working on in their role. But most of the time, we use that as an ongoing conversation to check in about their sense of call, uh, where they're growing as a leader, and use that time for sort of leadership development. And it's amazing, 15 minutes a week uh, adds up over time. Instead of doing it once every two months for three hours and having this exhaustive conversation, we just check in weekly. Sometimes it's, it's super casual. How's the family doing? Where, how was vacation and whatever. And other times it's, you know, what are you doing to, you know, grow as a manager right now? Or what are you learning right now? Um, as you kind of start this new initiative that we're working on and what are some of the obstacles? So sometimes it's processing leadership, um, lessons and things, but a lot of times it's just, checking in on what God's doing in their life, how they're doing and listening uh, at, by asking great questions. So uh, let's get really granular here. So yeah. very specifically, how do you set up these meetings and where do you hold them? Is it, yeah. is it a casual 15 minutes? Is that 15 minutes roughly, or do you have it scheduled way out ahead of time? We do 15 minutes this time a week, weekly. We meet in my office, your office. How do you, how do you do that? Yeah. Good question. That's where Dan Ryland stuff, unwittingly, I've been, I, we did this. So we schedule it, right? And um, we keep it simple. We keep it consistent. So it's the same time every week, 15 minutes, and we miss some. People are gone. Schedules change and stuff. But we try to be disciplined about this. So um, I meet with some of the staff Tuesday for their 15-minute check-ins and some of the staff Thursday for their 15-minute check-ins. The time doesn't change. I, I, I stack them. So it's about, you know, uh, anywhere from half an hour to 45 minutes of my time, depending on kind of the day and, and whatever. But we stack them and then we start them on time and we end them on time. And that's just, it's a discipline that we have and we've kind of stuck with. And I think the short nature of it, if there were hour long meetings or something, I think we would probably give it up. That would be, that would right. kind of violate the simplicity rule. Um, right. And so I think, you know, we've sort of stumbled into that. It's been really effective and it, it just creates a consistent touch point with, with my staff. With our elders, I don't do it quite as consistently as that. Um, some of them I, I rub shoulders with more consistently simply because we're working on the finance team together or personnel together or different things like that. Uh, but I try to check in with each of our elders at least once a quarter over coffee or lunch or just to because they're a key influencer and a key leader in the life of the church. So trying to keep those relationships going. and it's less management in that conversation because they're not my staff, but they are my partners in ministry as, as leaders in that way. And then, you know, they're volunteering their time. And so it's, it's some of the same conversations. What God, what is God doing in your life? Um, what are you seeing? What are you hearing out there in the congregation? What should we be working on for the sake of the mission and kind of helping them explore that so that they get that vision mission language deep inside of them. That's awesome. And and I think it's so important because what you're really doing in those 15 minutes is you're building a relationship. It would be really easy uh, for us as leaders to just kind of squirrel away in a hole and kind of bang out whatever we have to do and to not interact with the staff. And I'll be honest, I've been guilty of that from yeah. time to time where yeah, yeah. I get really busy and I just kind of go off in my own little world. And what happens is that the relationships on staff tend to suffer. That's right. Or you, yeah, it can get in the way, right? I think another thing too, um, I'm an extrovert. So I enjoy walking down the hall, ducking my head into an office. I'm sure it annoys my staff, actually, because they're probably <laughs> trying to get something done. I'm like, hey, guys, how's it going or whatever. 
But the ha- if even if you're not like a, I need to be out in the crowd people person, if you're more introverted or whatever, the discipline of those 15 minute check-ins is worth the investment. It just really is. Yeah. Um, and you could do your own version of it. Maybe it's not every single week, but that consistency, I think makes a big difference. Do you know what else it's doing is it's, it's creating a regular touch point so that when you get to the point of the annual or semi-annual review, there aren't any surprises because you've been having an ongoing conversation yeah, sure. yeah. along the way. And, and that's something that I know that we heard from Dan Ryland. We've heard from others, like getting out in front of potential staff issues uh, have to do with that regular relationship right. building time. And that's all yeah. really important. Yeah. And, and I think there, if it's a regular meeting too, you can bring things up in that meeting that if you scheduled a separate meeting to bring it up, it would really raise the stakes. Right. Like, right. You need to meet and talk. That's a scary Defcon thing to four, say. Yeah. I mean, that's scary for people. And and they're like, what do we need to talk about? Am I, what's going to happen? But if it's part of a regular ongoing meeting and you say, hey, today, you know, I'm going to, we need to talk about something. It's, it, you know, it's a little bit more serious, but it's in the context of that relational environment. So that's, that's the first part of nurture. Um, demonstrate that you care by investing time consistently and then ask questions and kind of help them explore their call, their what's going on in their lives. And then you can get practical. You do, at some point, you do need to have something to say, right? Yeah, <laughs> right. Stop or rather, so, great question. how are you doing? Uh, yeah, tell oh, me more. That's a right? great yeah. question. Let's, let's, yeah, let's tell me more about that, right? Like there's only, mm, there's only mm. so many of those that you can do, right? That's right. So a couple other things that you and I were, were talking about related to nurture is helping people to grow in their sense of self-awareness I think is a crucial part of leadership development. And I think this part of the nurture side, there's training you can do on this for sure, but just kind of helping someone get a, a better sense of who they are, the impact they have on people around them, uh, their impact as a leader, maybe their blind spots, scary topic, right? Um, blind spots and uh, kind of just helping them grow their self-awareness through in, a, in that trusted environment where you can just have those kinds of conversations and uh, I mentioned a resource to you, and I'm sure others have a lot of great resources, but um, as you're helping someone explore their sense of call or where they fit into the local church or you know what God wants to, them to be involved in outside of the church and for his kingdom, um, a book that I use, um, not, not to walk through this chapter by chapter, but as a concept, I think it's really great, is called Shape uh, by Eric Reese. And we'll link to that, of course. But um, what I like about it is Eric Reese is a, out of the you know Rick Warren world, Saddleback and all that. But what they've done is help people think of themselves in a well-rounded way through this the, uh, this idea of shape, so that they get a, you get a really good sense of who God has made you to be, and that can help you find your and fulfill your unique purpose for life. So S stands for spiritual gifts. Um, what are the gifts God has given you? What is the Holy Spirit planted in you for the sake of the mission of the church in, in the church in the gathered community and then in the, in the world around you? Um, what are the gifts that you see in that person? You, you said this last uh, episode, but sometimes you need someone outside of yourself to point out something that you just don't know about yourself yet. Yeah. And, and that's really important. So maybe it's a gift you see of leadership or hospitality or service or, uh, whatever, and say, hey, I think I see this gift in you. So that's a big one. And then uh, the H is heart, or what we would call passions. What are you passionate about? What gets you going? What are you excited about? And well, I don't know the guy. What's the guy's name? I'm sure our listeners know. But the guy that said, you know, where your great passion meets the world great world's great needs, that's your your calling or God's purpose for your life. Or you remember that quote? 
I, I do remember it. I, yeah. I can't remember. I don't know who it is. I think it was a Presbyterian. That was a good one. It, it must have been a Presbyterian. Yeah, it must have been. Um, but, uh, yeah, right. But, uh, you know, helping them explore, what are you passionate about? What do you get excited about? And maybe that's a direction to go. And then a is abilities, you know, what skills and abilities have you acquired throughout your lifetime that can be useful in the mission of the church. And then P is for personality. And of course there's a ton of resources out on, on, on how to help someone explore how they're wired. You have know, you done that Enneagram thing? Uh, yeah. Have you? No. Okay. I, people I, are really into it though. Yeah. People are into it. I, I kind of, I think I, I really did a lot of that in my early and mid twenties. Cause I was trying to figure myself out and the you know, Myers-Briggs stuff and the animal one and the, you know, all these different ones and um, they're good. They're helpful. They're not definitive. I think always, uh, but you, yeah, when you know your personality type, it, it can help you strengths finder 2.0 and those things are all those are really good. Yeah. That was the next one I was going to mention is, yeah. is I felt like the uh, now discover your strengths uh, book uh, was really helpful, really helpful yeah. for me, even going through it, you know, um, yeah. not that long ago. It was good. Yeah, it, it's really helpful. And even if it's not precise and exact or something, it gives you just a good sense, right? To go, Oh, that's, that's why I do what I do. That's where that comes from or whatever. And um, it's super helpful. So what I, I think self-awareness is one of the most, is one of the biggest, most important parts sure. of, of a leader's development. Yeah. And that, and I think when you're self-aware, your emotional intelligence also grows with it and, and yeah. um, all those things. And so, um, yeah, just self-awareness of your personality. And the last one in that book, Eric Reese is experiences. We all have things that good and bad that have happened in our lives or we've been a part of that can be useful can help us sort out our calling. I mean, you know, we say, oh, man, that must have been a hard thing. Maybe God can use that for a good purpose now and turn it around. So shape was a good one to explore self-awareness because it kind of hits on a whole bunch of categories uh, to help grow that self-awareness across kind of the breadth of your life. Um, so we had talked about, though, this one is is one of the my favorite ones with our, our, our staff team. And we had some fun kind of background with it. But this idea of blind spots. Um, Leaders have blind spots. I don't know if you, Jason, you don't have any blind spots left. I don't think because <laughs> we pointed them all out to each other. Right. I think yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> but blind spots exist, right? And I think we, sure. I don't know if we've joked around on this uh, podcast about this, about the Johari window. And the Giovanni you know, wheel. Giovanni wheel. Anyway, that's a whole nother story that we can share sometime. But the Johari window is really about helping you grow your sense of self by you know, one of the key areas is, is, uh, by understanding your blind spots. What do people see about you that you don't see or understand about yourself? And that's sort of that blind spot area. And, um, you know, the basic example of that is of course the spinach in your teeth, right? Uh, it's, it, just tell me, you like, you know, I want to know, uh, but sometimes we don't have the courage to point those things out or we just, it feels awkward or something. And, uh, we need people in our life that can do that for us in a trusted relationship. Right. Um, I, an example, uh, in my preaching, I, I do some, I have lots of hand motions and I can't help myself. Right. Uh, but I was doing some things that were really distracting that I just didn't know about. And my wife, Callie, who's really honest with me about things. So it's just great. Right. I love that. Uh, I was rubbing my eyebrow, like, you know, you can't see me here doing this, but I was rubbing my eyebrow. And then I was like, uh, kind of grasping my chin at different points during, and she says, so distracting. Why do you do that? And I was like, it can't be that bad. I don't do it that much. <laughs> and I look back at a video finally, and I literally was doing it the whole sermon for one of my sermons. And, uh, I needed somebody to point that out. So I started working on it and 
getting better at it. So I don't know, Jason, do you, you have any blind spots that anybody's ever pointed out to you? Oh, of course. Of yeah. course. And it, and it all comes back to, again, it's knowing how you're wired so that you can get out in front of potential blind spots. You know, so, right. I, so I mentioned before, you know, when I get into crunch mode, like I need to get a lot done and really kind of do that. Um, I see I'm naturally introverted. So my, you know, I'm my own best company, right? So, so when things get really busy, I kind of hunker down and go into kind of cave mode as I'm yeah. cranking things out. And the, and then the problem is, of course, is that, you know, I'm missing what's going on around me. So I have to be really intentional about yeah. breaking myself out of that. I mean, it's not that, you know, I mean, I, I believe that God wired me a certain way for a reason. That's right. However, it's like our greatest strength can also be our greatest weakness if we're not careful. Right. So well, I'm and, trying yeah, to, and you know, remedy. Figure that. it out, right? Mitigate against, against your weakness there by yeah. being aware of it. Right. And somewhere along the line, you grew the self-awareness of that kind of blind spot that you have a tendency to put your head down and go. And people are like, what happened to Jason? You know, yeah, where, or where'd he go? Where did he go? Yeah. Uh, and that's, reemerge with a new direction. That's right. <laughs> just By the like, way, I have five on. new ideas. What? <laughs> yeah. I love it. So that's good. I remember our um, buddy, Dave uh, Bergie, who we had on the podcast a while ago. I don't know if we told this story in his episode uh, of chaplaincy. Do you think it'd be okay to tell about the wrinkled shirt episode? Absolutely. Oh, I think so too. I think we'll get him to sign off on it later. But uh, we were doing a chaplaincy training CPE unit together at Robert Wood Johnson uh, University Hospital in New Brunswick, New Jersey. And we were all, we'd all ride together to that every day and whatever. But we were kind of, we were supposed to dress up. It's New Jersey. You're supposed to be a chaplain. And so we're wearing, you know, jackets and ties and whatnot. But Dave would show up with a wrinkled dress shirt every day, right? You remember that? Yeah, I do. It's kind of, it's great because it's kind of who he is and whatever. Um, and, but we started having these peer conversations where we were supposed to point out each other's blind spots. And I don't remember who brought it up, but somebody said, was, Tina. was it Tina? I, I it said, was. yeah, she said, you need to stop wearing those wrinkled shirts. It's having an impact on your credibility. And he sort of got it. You know, he kind of was like, okay. Yeah. But we need people like that to point out our blind spots, right? That's right. And it was yeah. great because it provided a lot of laughter for us. It sure did. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> We're Good. a couple of real nurturers, aren't we? That's a really, really nurturing. Develop our friends. Yeah. That's right. So self-awareness, that shape book, blind spots, um, uh, strengths and weaknesses. We talked a little bit about our personality stuff. And then the last one under nurture, I would say, is just helping people process their leadership experiences, uh, the good things and the bad things, what went well, what do you wish we could have gone differently. But really probably the most um, uh, unexpected or difficult thing to face when you're leading and growing as a leader is the, the pushback that you get, this, the suffering that comes with leadership. Remember our, our, I think it was our second episode, Jim Mead was talking about how leadership and suffering go together and that when we lead, there are scars that come with that. And so processing through those things with growing leaders, when someone comes down hard on their idea or criticizes them or throws a fit when we change something and uh, you know, we feel a certain way as leaders about that helping kind of process through those experiences so that um, yeah, they get to kind of talk it through about why that was hard, how it felt and, and those kinds of things I think can be pretty important for the nurture side. Yeah, that's good. So let's, let's uh, pivot a little bit and then talk about training. So the nurture is part one of leadership development with our staff, with volunteers. And then the next part is training. So how do we then set them up to grow 
to lead, to take the baton, as we talked about last time, and run with it. And I think uh, – there's a balance with this because on the one hand, I don't want to give somebody something to do until they're ready to do it. On the mm-hmm. other hand, you know, we've heard a lot of uh, churches, especially big churches talk about, yeah, we regularly give, throw people in the deep end um, yeah. in order to develop them. And I That's think right. I, I like the idea of both of those. So on the one hand, yeah. it's like everything can't be so darn calculated that we rob people of the possibility of leading. However, I want their leadership experience to be well thought about and set up so that it's not a colossal train wreck. That's right. Yeah. I think you're absolutely right. If, in, if nurture is sort of the pastoral side, then the training is sort of the practical side of leadership development, right? And yeah. I think what you're getting at there is how do we impart the skills, uh, the best practices, the techniques of leadership for people, but then also launch them into a, an environment where they have to lead so that they can kind of figure it out. And maybe a, a concept we could throw in here around that is uh, maybe, maybe we would title empower decision-making or yeah. empower you know, opportunities to lead by giving them actually something to lead and see how it goes. But empowering decision-making, that kind of goes back to the baton handoff that you talked about uh, in our last episode. But how do you empower decision-making? Um, how do you really delegate authority to someone to go and lead and then process it with them are there things that you do to yeah. kind of hand things off though? So, so what I've discovered is you need to, first of all, tell them that they have permission to make decisions. I, I think one of the things that uh, a young leader or a leader who's just kind of being developed is afraid of, they're afraid to make the wrong decision or they're, you're afraid to decide something that moves in a direction and they're not sure if they're allowed to do that. I think it's just uh, giving permission. So, yeah. uh, for example, when um, you know we had um, our worship leader, Dan, on, the podcast. And, and when he first started, he really didn't have a lot of authority. Now that wasn't necessarily by design. It was just the way that we were structured. He didn't have a lot of authority to make decisions about a few key areas. One was uh, selection of worship music because he was still learning worship music. Remember, he, he came from a non, non-church music background. And then, um, you know, kind of the leadership stuff within the band. And decisions that he could make musically that had an impact on volunteers who are in the band. So for example, did he have the authority to tell the guitarist, please stop playing the same solo over the song? It's ruining the worship experience, right? He actually wasn't sure if he had the authority to do that. And so as we developed that nurture part, that relationship over time, I was able to just clearly say, as far as I'm concerned, you have authority over this and this and this. And let's talk about it together as we meet every week. We'll talk about it together as we go. But yeah. the goal is, is that you won't need me to tell you what to do because you truly are the leader. You're in a leadership position. Yeah. And and it was cool because it was always a back and forth where he would ask, and he still asks me to this day. He's like, well, what do you think about we go over the songs? Yeah, your input matters. Yeah, yeah your absolutely. input matters. Yeah. But, but I also trust him because he'll be like, I know That's you're right. not crazy about this song, but I thought this would really work here. And I'm like, awesome. Do it. You, right? you know, so, yeah. it, so it, took, it took time. It took clarity. It took actually me giving him permission That's right. to say, you, you have some authority here. And right. have mistakes been made? Well, of course, everybody makes mistakes, but we process through them and then we move on. And it's, that's really the only way I can see of how to do that well. That's right. I think this is so good. We, this could, maybe we should come back to this as a topic for a, another session because empowering decision-making is crucial. 
if every decision in the church has to come back to you, there's a lid on the organization. You will not get very far. You'll burn out even as you try to do things. But if you can empower decision-making, delegate authority for the, you know, in same direction with the mission and vision and process those decisions, it makes a difference. I remember, yeah. oh, go ahead. No, no go ahead. I was going to say, I, and I just want to say this because I've, I've felt this before. You know, if you're thinking to yourself in, in the way that you're, church is currently positioned. If you're thinking, I can't trust anybody else to understand this vision for this particular ministry area, then that's a you problem. Yeah. Like what I've had, that's a real tough reality I've had to face myself. When I look around and there's this area that needs work and I feel like nobody's equipped to handle that forward because they don't get the vision. I realize that that's a me problem. That's right. Dan Ryland says something you've either created or allowed, right? And yeah, that's, yeah. that's tough. And I do think though, that's where you can stop and go, okay, who can I bring along and help them kind of get there around that? Um, kind of a couple, couple thoughts just to kind of wrap up here, because I, I think we could do more. There's so much more to say about all of these things, but empowering decision-making is, is I think part nurture, part training, you know, you kind of go along. I, we were at a conference where we heard, I think it was Andy Stanley who said this, but maybe it was somebody else. Um, that's a great question. You decide. Right. Uh, and I have those signs. I, it, right here in my office, there's two signs on my wall. One says, that's a great question. The other one says, you decide. A staff member will come in uh, or a key leader will come in and they have an idea or are facing a decision and they want my input, which I'm happy to talk it through with people. But then I say, but I trust you. I trust your decision-making. I've delegated authority to you. So then I'll point to the wall and they'll roll their eyes and kind of go, really? Come on. Uh, But (laughs) I'll say, that's a great question. You decide. I trust you to make a decision that's going to move us forward as a church and toward the mission vision. So that's a big deal. Two last couple concepts. Um, Dan Ryland said, when it comes to the training part of leadership development, keep it simple, keep it consistent. Keep it simple, keep it consistent. And really one of the best strategies for that, he said, if you, if you find some leaders you want to develop, find a group, pick a book, ask a couple of questions, do that consistently. Maybe you read a chapter a month or every week or however often, but you just put things in people's hands consistently and, and you do it simply. So you don't make it this complex, massive leadership development process and you know day long seminars and whatever, just Keep it simple. Keep it consistent. If it's not simple, you'll stop doing it. If it's not consistent, it won't have an impact. Absolutely. And and something is better than nothing. That's right. So, you know, even if you feel like, well, it can't be this amazing, you know, PowerPoint. Some people would say that about our podcast, right? Sometimes it's something (laughs) rather than nothing. And uh, we apologize about that. So that sounds about right. Yeah, it sounds about right. right. So let's, let's kind of wrap it up and maybe we come back and visit some of these topics in depth a little bit later on, but if we're keeping it simple, keeping it consistent, is there a book or a resource that you'd say to someone, Hey, if you want to start training by finding a group, picking a book and asking a couple of questions, is there a book or a, a, that you would recommend? Absolutely. I, I think uh, Andy Stanley's deep and wide would be my go-to for sure uh, because yeah, it asks a lot of great questions and yeah, really hits yeah. a lot of the important topics about the relationship between church and culture. So, yeah. uh, you know, and, and it's, it's an easy read. It's not, you're not asking a lot. You know, I wouldn't just be like, hey, we're all going to read Center Church together by Tim Keller, right. you know, like. Which is great. It's which a is great fantastic book, book yeah. but my but gosh, pretty, you'll be slogging tough. through for, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think so. I think there's some good practical books. Deep and Wide is great because 
systems thinking, process thinking, a vision for the unchurch. It's so good. Uh, the other one we've mentioned here is leading change without losing it. And we're, you know, that's so good. Carrie Newhoff. Have we mentioned that book before? Have we mentioned it? I, don't I, I think we have. Yeah. Yeah. Several dozen times. Yeah. That's a great one. If you're looking for something really kind of um, accessible and kind of, I wouldn't call it entry level, but just very readable. Uh, Patrick Lencioni has a book called The Five Dysfunctions of a Team. It's a, it's a leadership fable. So it's a story. Yeah. And then you get to kind of process some things within it. So the point is, find a group, pick a book, ask, ask some questions, do it consistently over time, and it will have an impact. Keep it simple, keep it consistent. So, or, or even yeah. like, you know, so we've, we've just recently, we've picked up uh, Jeff Fromm's book uh, about Generation Z. There you go. We're, we're having all of our uh, next gen staff reading that book and we're talking about it. So that's right. Uh, y- you know, there's all sorts of stuff out there, but just, just pick something and get started uh, right. because it's sort, of, it's sort of like sermons. Like you don't have to give all your best stuff and everything that you know in one shot. Like this, this is a marathon. Like this so, there are a lot of Sundays to fill. There's That's a right. lot of meetings and kind of leadership development time to fill. So don't worry That's about right. picking the perfect book. Just pick That's something. Right. Pick something, get started and uh, go for it. And we're, you know, Jason, this is, um, I think something that is close to our hearts, right? This nurture and development uh, of leaders, nurture them, train them. And to continue to be people who are investing in our own leadership development by being nurtured and being trained. And so uh, we need those relationships. Maybe your nurture happens in a group with other leaders, or maybe it happens in uh, a relationship with an older mentor or someone that you look up to. Or maybe the training happens through conferences and, and podcasts that you listen to, but you need to continue to invest in your own leadership development so that when you go to nurture and train others, uh, you will have some resources. Because in the end, um, coming back to something Jim Mead said, leadership development is a stewardship issue. If we're called to lead, we need to do it diligently. We need to bring others along. And uh, he said, remember this? He said, you will answer, Jesse, you will answer oh, to the yeah. living Lord Jesus Christ for how you conduct yourself as a leader. And you could be kind of discouraged and scared by that. Or you could say, yeah, this is a big deal. I need to lead well and I need to help others grow in their leadership too. So we're going to talk more about this stuff because this is why we started this podcast and we, we love the topic of leadership, leadership development. So hopefully some things today that we've talked about have been useful as kind of starting points to think about nurture and training. And we'll dive into some of these topics in greater depth with our guests and with each other. And in the meantime, we're glad to have you along. 46 episodes. Yeah, this is awesome. And we're having fun together. Close so. to a year. Keep reaching out to us. It's always great to hear from you uh, via email, Jason and Jesse at reclaimleader.com, Jason or Jesse at, reader, at reclaimleader.com. And, uh, and don't forget, you can going. always get our show notes at uh, reclaimleader.com forward slash episode 46 or whichever episode that you're looking for. The show notes are there with all the links that we talk about. Um, so please want to encourage you to check that out. Don't forget to check out our sponsor, Belay Solutions. Uh, is there helping churches to get a lot of that, those administrative tasks off pastors' plates so that they can spend their time on what matters most? That's check right. them out, belaysolutions.com forward slash reclaim leader for a special download that you get um, for our that's been set up for our listeners. And uh, I think that's it. You got anything else, Jesse, as we get no, ready? No, uh, you know, getting ready for the fall. So I uh, hope, hope that's going well for you guys out there at Tower Hill. Jason, we're you know, getting geared up. So um, I'm sure we'll stop and talk about that somewhere along the way. And for those of you pastors and leaders out there, as you gear up for another fall, pray that God will give you the right ideas, the vision, the insight and the space 
to think about your leadership and how you can develop the leaders around you. So we'll catch you the next time around. Thank you for listening to Reclaimed Leader. Join us next time for more insights, interviews, and resources to help you in your leadership journey. 